Hey, this is Jay Worth, your host for Green Industry Perspectives. I just wanted to give you a quick note before we start this episode. We're fully aware there's no shortage of software companies out there, and we're not the only ones specializing in green industry software. One thing that sets single ops apart is our track record of delivering top-notch resources tailored specifically for you and your business. We've been hosting this podcast for years, offering insights and expertise from the best minds in the business. We've been crafting comprehensive guides packed with green industry business best practices for years, and we've been turning out blog content on how to boost your business, streamline services, and exceed your customers' expectations long before our competitors started doing it for clicks. In a world of options, Single Ops has always been your dependable source with a history of supporting you and your success. To access these free resources, head to singleops.com and check out the resources tab. And remember, we were here to help first. You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives Podcast, presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives, presented by Single Ops. I'm Jay Worth. Really, really excited to have with me today on the show, Tyler Benoit, uh, Senior Account Manager at Crystal Greens. Tyler, did I get your name right? Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> All right, I and I've said this on the show. People that listen to it regularly are probably like sick of it. I screwed this up like one of the first ones I recorded. I screwed the guest's name up and had to start over. And so I always check now. <laughs> uh, but Tyler, um, so glad that you're on the show today. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. Uh, any opportunity to talk about landscaping with other landscapers. Uh, I'll jump at it every time. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm the same way. This is why I get, I get, I have a great job. Um, <laughs> Tyler, based on your experience in the industry, we want our listeners to just get some immediate value. Based on your experience in the industry, what are the three most common threads that you see in truly successful green industry companies? I really like this question. Um, and having been on both the contractor side and the vendor side, uh, I've been able to see a lot of different companies and how they perform. Um, and I think that the thing that stands out to me the most is around culture um, and having a clear sense of culture and what the directives are, like what your why is and how that translates to everybody within the business is the most important thing. Um I'd also say like employee buy-in at every level, like your crews also need to understand yes. what, why is, <laughs> why they're showing up to work every day. And I mean, your account managers, your production team also need to understand the why and the why is to make sure our crews who are doing hard work get paid and that our customers are being taken care of and their needs are met. It's so much bigger than all of us. Um, and then also having a people first mentality. Like I said, it's all about the people. It's your crews, it's your clients, it's everyone. Um, and to make sure that everybody feels taken care of and appreciated. This is where we spend the majority of our lives. Unfortunately, that's the culture we live in. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to make sure that at work, we've got our people taken care of. I was really, really excited when I read the answers. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very fun conversation because I think we're aligned on a lot of this. 
But um, just if you would get back up a little bit, let's give the audience a sense of why you have you on the show. Talk a little bit about your history in the industry, how long you've been in it, what you're, how you got into it, what are you doing uh, now at Crystal Greens? Um, so I am third generation in the green industry. My grandfather was a landscape architect and my dad works at a uh, national commercial landscape maintenance company. Um, and when he went to work at the company he works for now, he was like, Hey, we've got an admin role open. Maybe this is something that you want to consider. Cause I just moved back to Maryland from some time in Florida and, uh, I was like, all right, cool. That sounds fun. And I loved it. Like my first week of work, I was like, this is amazing. How do I stay in this industry forever? And um, so that's what I did. I was an admin for a year and a half in Baltimore. And then I went to NALP's NCLC um, and met the regional VP for the Northwest, uh, Karen Wilkinson, who became one of my best mentors. She's incredible. We still remain very good friends. And uh, she was like, you need to be an account manager. Can you please come be an account manager for me? And um, so she brought me out to Seattle and I worked in that market for four years before I went to the vendor side very briefly. And um, that's where I was connected with Crystal Greens and they brought me on as a senior account manager here in Portland. So that's tremendous. And I think that having, um, there's not a lot of us that have experience on both sides of that. And I think that that's, um, it gives you a very, very well-rounded perspective, <laughs> in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> like you, like it's very eye-opening when you go from in the business to the vendor side, uh, or vice versa. Um, I think you things make a lot more sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the biggest things that it opened up for me was like that abundance mindset. Like I think that um, just contractor to contractor, you get very like short-sighted and like, I need to grow my business. It's all about me. I'm the best. Go, go, go. When realistically, like every company is doing things differently. Every company has their strong suits and weaknesses. And so there is enough work out there for everyone to be successful. Yes. Yes. I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's dive into these points. Um Strong culture, clear uh, understanding of the why. Um, and in your the the response you gave to me before the show started, you mentioned something about creating fun, like an enthusiasm and energy around that why. And I love this answer. I think you cheated on it a little bit. I think there's like two parts to this answer, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, like there's one that's like clarity on goals. And then there's also like a culture that's created around that. Is that fair? Did I, have I captured yeah. that correctly? Okay. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you cheated because I think it's gonna be fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> why is having your people understand the company's why so important? Because that drives everything that we do. It drives every decision you're making. If you are like, for me as an account manager, if I don't understand that what the why is, how am I going to serve my customer well? Like if I don't know the urgency in responding to a client's email about an irrigation break and rallying my team to get that uh, solution made, then I don't have a sense of urgency to like get it done. And there's water main breaks and stuff. Like <laughs> the issues are so much bigger than like 
what we think they are. And so if I don't understand that that why is so important to other people and how it affects other people's needs, then my sense of urgency goes down. I'm not responding to the email right away, that I'm not like making the phone calls in the same way that I should. Yeah, I love it. I love it. How have you found that this helps? Like in what ways, what are some like practical examples maybe of a way that like when someone did X because they understood the W-H-Y, Y behind (laughs) what they should be doing, right? Um, So like I can think of like for me, just one of the examples that popped in my mind, like off the top of my head was like, okay, in the absence of like concrete directives from a supervisor, um, it helps keep people focused on priorities, right? Like in, they make better decisions throughout the organization when they understand the why. They make the decisions that align with the why, mm-hmm. if that makes sense at all. So like, is that, is that, have you experienced that? Have you found that true? Are there other ways that people understanding the why helps a business to succeed? Yeah. So one of the things I love about um, Crystal Greens is just the passion that our crew members have around landscaping. They have so much pride and ownership in the properties that they service. So like, I mean, this is just small picture, but um, one of the properties that I manage, they have their flowers in contract. So it's very set it and forget it, which is convenient, but an adjacent building that's part of what we service, but they don't have their flowers in contract. They didn't have their flower rotation go through um, because it's new that we even did the install in the first place. And so the crew lead sent me pictures and said, hey, we really need to take these out. Like what, what's the plan here? And they gave me the directive (laughs) and that's like not something I experienced. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they just like, they're just as driven to see a property be successful and looking nice because their trucks in front of it, they own it. Yes. I love it. Yeah, They own it. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that I thought about too, and I want to just run this past you as an idea. You can tell me if like, Jay, I think you're wrong. That's fine. You won't hurt my feelings. We'll still be friends at the end of this podcast. I think one of the the reasons that I have experienced too in my career that this helps besides ownership um, and those good decision-making like you're talking about, I think the other thing that I've seen that really helps is it helps with employee retention. Like people who understand the why are more likely to stay. I don't know if that's, maybe that's crazy. Maybe you haven't experienced that, but I don't know. I've I've seen that happen before. So I just wanted to get your perspective. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, 100%. Crystal Greens um, was a family founded, operated company. Um, They opened in 1990. I only know that because that was the year I was born. Uh (laughs) (laughs) For that, Tyler. All right, go ahead. We're going to move past it. need to not tell people that I just turned 42 thank you so much for that <laughs> anyway go ahead <laughs> found in 1990 we'll get back on yes. track. all right found in 1990 <laughs> um, <laughs> um and so so many of the guys like have seen the company grow from being like a small owner family-run company to now we're part of Sperber companies um so it's a little bit more of a national um situation and uh 
they have like maintained through all of these changes. And it's because like at the root of everything, Crystal Greens has said that we're a people company, that we want to make sure our people are grow are growing. And I mean, our tagline on everything is grow with us because it's about our people. And so they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel taken care of. And so why would you leave? (laughs) Yes, I love it. Paycheck doesn't always, you know, it's not always worth it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I know we've got people listening to this podcast right now. And they've got job descriptions out there. because So I want to like, you talked about the why, right? Um, And the other part of that was culture. I know we've got people that are listening to this podcast right now whose job descriptions read like something a lawyer wrote for them. Um, Must be able to lift 50 pounds. You must be able to work in all weather conditions. You must have a valid driver's license, all this. How do people have fun? Like, how do you create enthusiasm for the work? What have you seen that that works for building that kind of excitement for the for the job i mean having fun shouldn't just be like a situational thing it should be every single day there should be laughter in your office there should be laughter on your crew every single day and like that should be showing up with like um just like enthusiasm to work with your crews if you're like meeting them on site to give some directive or like just see what's going on like hey guys what's good like how's your family like oh my gosh like I don't know did you I don't know see some silly Super Bowl commercial like right right (laughs) it shouldn't just be about the landscaping it should be about like the whole experience and that's like one of the things I love so much about working at crystal greens and I don't mean for this to sound like a crystal greens ad it's not but like this is a place that there is always laughter in the office like at any point there's like somebody giggling somewhere whether that's our front desk um person greeting (laughs) someone and complimenting like their good hair day right up to just like I don't know shooting the shit (laughs) yeah I love it and I think too this is my, again, tell me if I'm wrong. I think the places that do this well talk about the fun. Like they don't they don't focus on the suck, right? Um, like th- rethink the entire process for how you recruit and hire. Like talk, talk, start talking about the fun in the job descriptions, like that you post on job boards. Talk about the fun during the interview. Um, so that the people that you're like, you wanna recruit, that you wanna hire, are the ones reading that and going, oh yeah, that's something I could totally get behind. Um, the people you've got that are already embracing that fun are the, are going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is that crazy or? No, I think you're spot on. And that was how I got connected with Crystal Greens was a old coworker of mine went to work at Crystal Greens and he was like, hey, come to happy hour with us. Like, okay, yes. <laughs> say less. And like, how do you not have fun at happy hour? That's impossible. <laughs> and so, and then they were telling me that almost every day feels like happy hour for them, whether it is just like actually ending the day with a beer or two, um, to like, I don't know, getting lunch or just walking around coffee talk, water cooler talk. It all feels like happy hour. That's awesome. Come work at Crystal Greens where every day is happy hour. 
Um, I think that's your, you've got the new recruiting slogan nailed down. I love it. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think that that's it. I think that we can get so focused on, um, the doing that we forget to like, it's going to sound like really like cheesy philosophical. So like, just forgive me. I, I think we get so focused on doing that we forget to like be with uh-huh. each other, right? Like they're like, oh, hey, I'm surrounded by other people <laughs> who also probably, I've worked with a couple that don't, but most of them have a sense of humor. Most of them <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. want to engage with you, right? Like let's just tap into that part of our shared experience and in coming into this place every day. Um, and, uh, you know, I've even had people that like I used to work with that have moved on to other places when I was still working at the place we worked together, they would call me and say, Hey, tell me what's going on there. Cause like you, you bonded over people that you worked with even like just story, mm-hmm. the stories become funnier when everyone knows the people involved. And I don't know, I, maybe we're talking crazy, Tyler. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're spot on. I, so many of my closest friends are people that I used to work with. And like, like I, talked to my old boss in Seattle. I talked to Bob, I don't know, once a week, every other week. Like we talk all the time and he knows so many of the people I work with down here. And so like, you're so connected, you know, what's going on with the other person. It makes it really easy to like maintain a friendship, even when you're not working together anymore versus people that like leave the industry and like go do other stuff. You're missing out on that community. That's like the thing I just love most about this industry is the community. It's a small world. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was um, a couple of years ago at Elevate. I was standing and talking to, um, I don't know if you know Beth Berry. I'll name drop. I was standing talking to Beth Berry and two other people um, walked up and um, one of them is another, uh, he's a board member now at NALP and all this stuff, but we're sitting there talking and she goes, Oh, I didn't know you guys knew each other. And I was like, I worked for him. She was like, you work, wait, like directly for him. I was like, yeah, he was, <laughs> he ran the branch. We had all worked at the same company together, the three of us. And, um, she looks at me and she goes, you can't be mean to anybody in this industry. <laughs> you can't. We all know each other. <laughs> um, and I think you're right. I think a community is part of what makes this so much fun. Um, but you can, you can create that in, um, even inside your teams, even inside your crews, I think. Well, and like we see it on the crew level of like, all right, like this guy put in an application, like going to the crew leaders and the supervisors, like, Hey guys, like, do you know this name? Yeah. Well I do. And I worked with them at this company eight years ago and they were terrible. So I wouldn't hire them. Like, okay, I see you. (laughs) No way. (laughs) It's at every level, every level. Absolutely. Well, no. And even more than that, I think and like, I want to get to the other points. So we'll, we'll move on from this after this, but I think it is something I'm really passionate about because I think every day, whenever you show up to work, um, and I need to be better about this recently. I've not been great about this recently. It just to be in totally full transparency for the listeners and for you every day, when you go to work, wherever you work, whatever you're doing, like you get to decide what the culture is like in the room around you by your, by the way you enter the room, by your attitude, by the way you interact with people around you, um, you are shaping that culture, whether, you know, you might not be the only driver of it, obviously, but like you get to decide. So like 
teams I've led that were part of a larger team, like my team was solid. My team was good. Like I've had, I've had feedback, like, and this is a direct quote, things like you are the best boss I've ever worked for. That's not a brag on me. It's because I'm saying like, no, I decided that my team was going to be good. Like, and I, and I, and I trained people so that they were that have that kind of mentality. Um, we brought new people in and went like onboarded them with that mentality. Like we function as a team. This is how things work. And I think that you can do that no matter what level you're at in the organization. I think it becomes more important. You have a greater impact the higher up you go, but like even in your crew, you got, you're rolling three guys deep in a truck. Like you guys can have a good day, no matter what else happens. You can shape that culture by having your attitude and the way you interact with people, or you can have a crap day Um, and you can make that every day, but that's up to you. I'm just a very strong believer in that. I don't know. Again, maybe we're talking crazy here, but. No, no, you're absolutely right. The energy that you bring into the room is how the whole room is going to react. I have, um, I'm a big fan of like the Stanley cup water bottles. I'm obsessed, but, uh, I have one that I engraved. So many. what like so many of us <laughs> it's fat it's a true addiction um, I have one that is engraved and it says um be love in every room and so like at the end of the day yeah you can show up being bubbly super happy or you can show up being in kind of a crappy mood but as long as like you still have like love at your core like positivity at your core then you're not going to drag other people down with you on your worst days and you can help elevate people on your best days. It doesn't have to be this superficial thing, but you have to show up well every day. I love it. I love it. Sorry, All right. Let's talk about, so now I think, and I think that's a good segue actually, because we're talking about buy-in for your second point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, creating kind of a pride and ownership in the whole business kind of cohesively. What does buy-in look like to you? Like, how do you, are there things that you can look at somebody and say, oh yeah, they're, they're all in like, what does that, what does that look like in someone that's really like bought into the company, to the culture? Well, I think that's like, it kind of touches on what we were just talking about. Like when I was explaining the flower situation that like the crew has bought into the work that we do so well that they've got this pride and ownership. Um, it's like being proud of your brand recognition, being proud to like, to yeah, rep the logo on the side of your car, even in your off days. And um, and like to want to talk about the good things going on at your job, like with your friends and things. It's buy-in happens at every level. And it shows when somebody is fully bought in and it shows when somebody has got one foot out. The work you do truly reflects that buy-in. <laughs> Absolutely. I could not agree with that anymore. Um, how do you, I guess, like foster, how do you develop that pride and that like sense of ownership in the business? What are things that people can do to like encourage that, uh, that state of like being bought in, you know, to encourage people to like dive in with both feet? I think understanding your team's needs and um strong and strong points and weak points so you can play to them as best as they are capable of right don't try and put a round peg into a square hole (laughs) and to show like that level of like appreciation of like i see you i understand you and this is why we see value in your role here with us 
Yeah, I love that. Um, so it's a matter of like understanding this person's good at that, this person. And there's and there's a difference, right? Again, tell me if I'm talking crazy. Please, please, please. I don't want to make this really awkward. So if I'm like saying something stupid, please correct me. <laughs> I think that like there's a difference between somebody that can do something and somebody that's the best fit for doing something. Mm -hmm. Like as a marketer, Okay. Um, that's one of the things I did, uh, both as a landscape, like for a landscape company. And then also, um, you know, with single ops, I've done this, I've done it, uh, as, as a vendor, like, um, working for a digital marketing agency, like I can do email marketing. I even enjoy certain aspects of it. Um, but am I the best person ever to do it? No, I'm not. Cause it doesn't like, it doesn't get me up in the morning. It doesn't get me energized. I'm not like waking up and going, Oh, what were the results of that AB? I can't wait to find out which one performed better. Like, that's not, that's not me. So there's a difference between like, is that, do you think that's fair? Is like, Hey, um, yeah, so-and-so can do it, but like, are they the person that should be doing that long-term? Is that what the kind of assessment you're talking about? Like finding the strengths and weaknesses and like playing to those? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, um, right. You're not going to put your best crew lead on a mower all day. You're putting them yes. on work. That's why they're a crew lead because they're good at that stuff. Why would you put your highest paid person on a mower? And yes. it's just like on the operational end of things. Like if you've got somebody that's, um, strong with business development why are they in production <laughs> and so 100 waving through things like that showing your team that i see you i see the things you're doing well let me help you be successful absolutely um and i want to i'm just curious your perspective on this i don't know if you've ever seen this experienced this if you haven't i'll edit this out we'll just move on where you've got somebody <laughs> <laughs> who like, okay, there's a need in the business. Maybe the business is at a point where like they're missing X role. And that role is like pretty crucial to the company, at least, um, you know, like can't go vacant for a long period of time. And so somebody like steps in and kind of like ends up by default doing it, but it's not like the best fit. I don't know if I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm being too vague here because I've got a specific example in my mind, but I don't want to share it without like, selling out people I've used to work with. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's like, okay, someone's willing to do it. It's not the best fit. It's kind of like, meh. What do you do in that circumstance? Like, how does, how do you think leadership uh, in a company should handle that type of situation? Cause it's really easy to forget about that person and say, oh, it's being taken care of. It's one less thing for me to worry about as the owner or CEO, president, leader, whatever. And then like you forget and then some time passes and they're burnt out and they're frustrated. And how do you handle that? I guess. Have you, first of all, have you seen it before? Have I, or am I just, just only my work experience? No, I've seen it a ton. And um, there's a part of me that doesn't really want to answer it because I've never been in the decision-making <laughs> seat. I've only been mm. armchair experting going, wow, yeah. that person is in a role they don't want to be in. They were forced in that role. They hate it. They're doing poorly at it. And now they're getting exited from the business. And that's a problem yeah. versus finding where their strong suits are and adjusting accordingly. And so seeing that from like outside perspective, never having to make those decisions, mm -hmm. I get really upset because I'm like, oh, that person is incredible. What do you mean they're getting fired? 
Yeah. Um, so, but again, I've never had to make those hard calls. It's just outside of like, well, and I think what's even, I think for me, yeah, because I've seen that too. I've seen that a, a dozen times at least, right? Uh, heck, I've been that person. Okay. <laughs> like, and I, I chose to leave, but I've been that person, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand that. What do you do though when, like, you've got that person and it's maybe not a performance issue? Like, they're doing the job capably, but it's just not the right fit for them. Like, they would be better doing something else in the company. Um, have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Um, so I am like the first person to say this. I should never be in a place where I need to manage people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I just, I care so passionately. I care really deeply and way too empathetic. So like, I have definitely seen like more like my peers be in situations like that, where I'm like, you are drowning. You're getting, and they're frustrated, but you hate your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're doing the job. And they're mm-hmm. performing well. They just hate it. Yeah. Right. Or like you're basically doing two salaries worth of work right now because there's a need and you're filling it. And because you're doing it well, you're not. You get forgotten about role. like they forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting that role backfilled. Yeah. And then like that becomes a drain on the company culture. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Owners, leaders listening to this, presidents, CEOs, whoever. You're, you're a drain on the company when you forget about that person that's like doing okay, but like yeah. is not, that's not the right role for them. No. And then, you know, we were just talking about how you show up in a room and like, if that person is drowning so loudly, like their emotions are yes. completely tampered with when they walk into the office every day, they're not showing up as their best self. I would not agree any more strongly. I love it. Um, yeah. And I think that that when you've got those people going back to kind of like the original thread here, when you've got those people that um, are in the right seat and they're doing the right thing, they're doing the job that gives them the most energy, they're kicking butt and taking names at it. I think that that's what buy-in looks like. Like you've created a situation where you've on purpose set someone up to succeed that helps the company, but it helps them as an individual. That's where you get that buy-in. Is that, yeah, that's where you get pride. Like they're like, I'm proud to work here because this is the place that like helps me thrive. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the place I want to do well. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I I listen to like a fair amount of like kind of cheesy self-helpy podcasts and things and (laughs) one of the things I've been hearing a lot like a big trend is people saying I see you and like I've started doing that at home a lot too is like I see you like I see what's happening in there and so to have your workplace say hey I see you I see what's going on with you let me help let me celebrate you is important yeah and I and I love that phrase I will just say um as a, as a leader listening to this, please don't say that unless you actually are like looking and you're actually noticing it because telling someone you see them and then doing nothing to remedy a situation that they're clearly ill-equipped for or frustrated with or whatever. It's like almost, it's worse than if you just said nothing. hundred percent. I agree. <laughs> I I, again, I've just personal experience there. That's the way it made me feel when it happened to me. Don't say it. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, but if you're actually like noticing and you say, hey, look, so I've, I've seen this happen. I've had this happen in my career. And I think it was a tremendous leadership moment. And so I want to, and I'll even mention him by name because I want him to have credit for this. Um, I worked for a company in central Pennsylvania and the owner's name was Clark Tomlinson. And I referred someone to work there. Um, I said, look, this is like one of the best people persons I've ever met in my life. Like he has a unique gift for connecting with people. He needs to be in a sales role here. Please hire him. Please. I mean, like I, and I'd only been there like a year. I was like begging. I'm like, please hire this guy. And um, the guy's name was Andre. He's one, one of my friends. I was like, better than me. He's a better salesperson than I am. Like hire the guy. He's good. And to his credit, Clark interviewed him and said, Andre, look, I really like you. I've connected with you. I don't have an open sales role right now. I have an open technician role. Would you be willing to do that for like a season until we can open something up for you? I know it's not, the, he's it just admitted, like, I know this is not the best fit for your skill set, but I also don't want you to be on the market. Like, I want you to come work here. How did Tremendous it go? Tremendous leadership. Yeah. Did it like, was he suited well for the tech role? Like, did he? No, it was a train wreck. He <laughs> rolled a, it rolled a Z sprayer like twice and got in a car wreck in that year. Okay. But he got into a sales role a year later, something opened up and he's been wildly successful at it. He's been wildly successful at it. So like, to, and again, they were patient with him, right? Like they were like, okay, you rolled a $15,000 Z sprayer, but you know, like, well, Right. And, and then the fender bender wasn't actually his fault. Okay. All that to say, they knew, they knew that they had a talent there and they were like, okay, we're going to get him in the right spot. If you can't get somebody in the right spot right now. So like you got that person that's doing the job passively, right? Like that was Andre. He was doing the job passively. It was not what he was passionate about. He wasn't great at it. He wasn't going to get himself fired. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't the right fit. Like, don't let those people languish. Don't let them linger. Right. Like having an open conversation with them and say, Hey, look, something else is going to be better for you. Even if you don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. I, I see you. I know this is not the best fit for you. I want to come committed to working with you to find a better fit. People will follow you to the moon without a helmet. If you have that conversation with them and you mean it and you mean it, you're sincere about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got, and that, is like also true in your personal life, right? Like if you've got somebody yes. good in your life, you don't let them go. You hold on to those people that are good for your soul, that are good for your surroundings at any cost. So why would you do the opposite at work? Just because there's not a spot for them. Come on. You make room. I love it. I love it. Yeah. This is a really good segue into your last point. You talked about a people first mentality. Um, let's, there's been a lot of people on the show that have, that have used that phrase people first. Um, and I've never asked anyone else this. I don't think I want you to define that for our listeners. When you say people first, what do you mean? Well, I mean, the green industry is, it's a people industry. Like it, it's a lot less about the plants than we think that it is. And so to be people first means that you're thinking about everyone's needs like your employees, are they taken care of? Your customers, are they taken care of? Your vendors, are they feel, feeling like partners to you? And um, so making every decision, looking at things in a big picture way 
of how does this affect my people, my community, and the people that are taking care of my business and me. Um, and so one of the, the things that I had mentioned in the pre-interview was that, you know, if you're not paying your team a fair wage and they're coming to work stressed about money going, oh gosh, like I can't pay my mortgage right now. And they're stressed about their salary, then how are they going to perform well for you? Like they're not, yeah. they're going to miss weeds. They're stressed. They're checking their phone. They're looking at their bank account. They're texting their mom, asking for money. Like, and so they're not feeling valued and taken care of. And that's just like in that one payday moment of, I can't pay for this. Like big picture, they're continuously stressed. They're continuously performing poorly. You lost somebody that could have been really good because you didn't look big picture at people first. Absolutely. I could not agree. In fact, um, I did some original research when I spoke at Synced Live at the beginning of 2023. Um, I did some original research. I used um, a job board that showed you like the average salary for that job title across the entire state. And I went through all 50 states and averaged it out. It wouldn't give me Indiana. That's a different story. 49 states. It kept trying to give me Indiana, Pennsylvania, like the city, instead of giving me the state of Indiana. I don't know. Anyway. Weird. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Anyway, across across America, on average, landscapers make less money than general laborers, like your temp to hire people, and then fast food workers. And in some That's states, like, the, the, yeah, they can literally be flipping burgers for more money than, than they're doing what we do. Come on. Like... Let's just have an honest conversation about what we're actually paying people. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and a lot of you are out here listening to this. If you're listening to the show, you probably are not on that sense. So send this podcast to people, you know, in your market that are paying their people crap or just go and poach their good people. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really overlooked when people feel secure and in order at home, it leads to better production. So like, when my wife and I are stressed about something outside of work, I can tell you confidently my work has suffered. Not saying I was unproductive, but not as productive is when I'm like well-rested, well-fed, less stressed. Mm -hmm. As an owner or manager, you can't really control that. You can't control whether somebody had a fight with their kid uh, or excuse me, or their partner or their kid is sick or something like that. What can you control? You can control how you compensate them, which removes one of those huge stressors. And you can also control how you respond to their life outside of work. You can control how you respond to their requests to take their kid to t-ball practice regularly or to go to a piano recital or a doctor's appointment. Is that kind of also what you're getting at? Like expand on One, that or maybe I'm off base here. Maybe I missed you. No, 100%, 100%. That's like, um, I'm going to be super transparent, but I have therapy this afternoon and I'm really open about being in therapy at work. And uh, my therapist is, um, she only operates during our business hours. So Wednesday at three o'clock, everybody knows that I will be taking my therapy appointment at home. Like, and no one has ever pushed back on that. No one has ever complained. And um, they let me speak about it really openly. And so then- if I have an issue that's like going on, I feel like I can trust my employer to say, Hey, like 
Um, I know, you know, I've been in therapy and this is kind of something that's been weighing on me and I can open up to my employer as a friend and trust that they're going to help me make good career decisions based on the knowledge they have about what's going on at home. Yeah. And I think that, um, that security, right? Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, kudos on, um, discussing mental health because it's something that we don't talk a lot about in our industry. So, um, thanks for, for elevating awareness there. Yeah. There are people that work for you that are going to therapy. Like you need to make space for that because if you, okay. Even if you don't care about them, as per, even if you're Mr. Burns on the Simpsons, you don't care about them as a person. Um, they're going to be better, more productive at work when they can handle that stuff. Yeah. When they can show up whole as a whole person and devote all their energy there, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be happier. They're going to want to work for you longer. They're going to work for you harder. They're going to stay working for you for a longer period of time. Absolutely. Um, good. You really, you nailed it with saying security. It is a sense of security. You've created a safe space in your work environment that makes it easy to show up because I feel secure. I feel comfortable. I feel seen. <laughs> I feel appreciated. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think a lot of it is, and I know like there are people that listen to this who um, are probably going to roll their eyes at like, make your work safe space. I'm not talking to like college campus. Like we can't have disagreements, right? Like you can still have healthy disagreements at work and it still be a safe space. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I don't want to give that impression, but I think that um, those disagreements only happen when people know that they can have them and it's not going to affect their career trajectory. It's not going to affect their compensation, the way they provide for their family. That's when you're going to get your best out of people is when, um, you know, you're going to get new ideas. You're going to get innovations. People are more willing to take risks and try things. And maybe you get some major breakthrough that streamlines a process, um, brings a new revenue source, uh, a new service line, something like that. Those things only happen when people are willing to come in and say, hey, boss, I was thinking about this. Okay. And they don't do that if they don't feel safe. It allows your team to open up and be creative. And like, yes. that's why you bring people on, right? If you want people to just follow what your plan is, then you can definitely find minions. You can find bodies to get that done for you. But if you are bringing people on for their creativity, for their strengths, you have to open up the space for them to do that. And the only way you can do that is by making them feel safe. Absolutely. And I love about all of your answers, all three of these answers, I think for me is that they all, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, they all revolve around the people that you serve. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're listening to this, you're a leader in the company, let me be clear. Your customers, yes, those are how you pay the bills but your team is who you serve, not your customers. Have I, is that fair? Have I got that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I thought yeah. so. Like I said, I felt like the vibe check was there. Like we were on the same page, but. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, like you serve your customers well when you take care of your people well. Those things just flow. It, it happens organically. It's not something that needs to be forced at all. I love it. Is there anything else you want to add that I've overlooked today? Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't think so. 
My brain is buzzing, Jay. <laughs> it's been a really good conversation. It's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. I really appreciate you making the time. If someone wanted to learn more about Crystal Greens, uh, they wanted to connect with you personally, how would they go about doing that? Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, Tyler Benoit on LinkedIn. Um, crystalgreens.com is our website. And um, we also have a LinkedIn page. We are about to launch our Instagram next year. So give us a follow. That'll be fun. You can be on that journey with us. Nice. Um, so that's Crystal Greens Landscape. Wonderful. Tyler, thank you so much for making the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jay.